MailChimp presents. We all have that elder, you know, like an auntie, a friend, a parent, who drops wisdom on us and changes the course of our lives. This season, I'm talking to 15 incredible people about important moments they went through and how the elders in their lives got them through it. I'm your host, Jenny Yang, and this is Going Through It. This week, Sashir Zameda. Professor Davis taught me that no matter what age level I was at, no matter what experience level I was at, I was capable of greatness. In a time in my life where I was trying to figure out who I was going to become, I knew I wanted to perform or do something that affected people and affected change. And I feel like she kind of helped me hone that skill and that idea of myself. When I tell people I'm a stand-up comedian, they love to say, I could never do that. And I get it. Showing people who you are so you can be judged time and time again I ask myself daily, who would choose this life? Me, apparently me. Performing is an incredibly vulnerable act and it also demands a certain level of confidence. You have to believe that your art is worth people's attention and time. And the feeling that you've made an impact on people with your work, I think that's what so many of us want. For comedian, actress, and writer Sashir Zameda, it wasn't until college that she felt empowered to pursue performance as a career. And since then, Sashir has performed in everything from Saturday Night Live to Stella McGee's film The Weeknd. And now she's a star in ABC's Home Economics. When she was just getting started at the University of Virginia, it was encouragement from a very special professor that inspired Sashir to have faith in her own talents. I had auditioned for, for Color Girls Who Have Considered Suicide When the Rainbow Is Enough. It's a choreo poem that was written by Ntozaki Shange and it's performed through dance. And so there's different performers for each poem. There's a lady in red, lady in blue, lady in purple. I was lady in green. And it is told through the perspective of black women, but it is describing human experiences. And it's a really special show. For listeners who aren't familiar with Four Colored Girls, here's a clip from a production at the Public Theater. Somebody. Anybody sing a black girl's song. Bring her out to know herself, to know you. But sing her rhythms. Karen, struggle, hard times. Sing her song of life. This was one of the first productions that was being put on by one of the new professors at the school. Her name was Professor Teresa Davis. And this was one of the first Black teachers I had at University of Virginia. And she just brought this new excitement to the theater department. Like, the department was was great, but it was nice to have some color. <laughs> some, some color being brought into the institution. I remember being really nervous to audition for For Color Girls because that was like the first drama program show I was auditioning for. The other musicals I had done were like independent student run groups. 
And they were very fine. But this is like, okay, there's a professor who's going to see me perform and she's going to choose who's going to be part of the show. And uh, yeah, I really, really, really wanted it. I like got the book from the library, like the actual um, play and read the whole thing. And I actually remember um, freaking out the night before because my roommate, (laughs) my roommate Cherise, who I love still, had some guy over and we shared a bedroom (laughs) and she was like hanging out with a guy and I was like, this man has to leave. (laughs) I need to get rest. I have to be well rested for this audition that you don't care about, but is a big deal to me. And she's like, he's just hanging out for a little bit. And I remember like, yelling in a way that I've never yelled at her before. I was like, he has to go. And she's like, oh, fine. And he like slept in the living room or something. But I was just like so annoyed that not everyone in my <laughs> in my apartment was taking this as seriously as I was. Um, anyone could audition for it. But the this, this show is for color girls, essentially. It's in, the ti- it's in the title. And so when we got cast, it was all black women. And we had a black female director. And it just felt really good it felt really good to do something with women who were like-minded there was kind of a second language going on we didn't have to explain anything to each other did professor davis talk about why she chose to stage this particular play i don't know if she what she told the theater department what she told us was that she wanted to display blackness and she was also new to the program i think this was her first year teaching at the University of Virginia. So she's also coming in hot. Yes. <laughs> and coming into a very white department that's usually doing, like, Hello Dolly and shit. So she's, she's like, I'm, I'm coming in showing what I'm going to bring to this department. And so I think she was like, I want the audience to see color. I want the students to feel like they can be represented on this stage and have their stories told and tell their own stories. So I feel like, she chose the show to really illuminate what can be done at the community of UVA, even though it hasn't been done before. And I remember performing these shows every night, and Teresa Davis would have the cast members stay in costume after the show. And she told us to go out into the theater and talk to the audience, go see what their perspective was. Oh. And that was such a gift because... I got to talk to so many different types of people who got so many different things out of that show. Mm. And it was so moving to me. Like, that was really the moment where I was like, I always want to make people feel something. I want to do it through my writing or my performing or something. But I I love this feeling. And that's what she would do all the time. Mm. I, I, I loved that Professor Davis made the students feel like, we were creators. We were the ones who could do the things. I didn't feel like a teenager when I spoke to her. I didn't feel like a kid who was like, oh, you know, one day when you get older, you can create things and that and it'll affect people. She's like, right now you can affect yes. change. And that was really huge to me at that time. That's so beautiful. She taught you the direct impact your energy had on people. Yeah. And even if it wasn't in the show, like any moment in time, she made us feel that way. Like we would call her Mama T. A lot of the black students call her Mama T because she did have a very mama energy. Really, she was like the cool aunt. Can you describe her? Like give us a visual. She looks like someone who could be my family. She's like probably 5'3", which is how tall my mom is. 
brown face. She had so many flowy garments, like just like a hippie dippy lady <laughs> who I aspire to be one day. Like everything flowed, everything was colorful. Um, she'd always have her hair up in like a top knot or a bun and have like a scarf wrapped around it. And her her voice was like very soothing and calming and like as if she meditates every day. Mm. It's just like a very, very centering voice. And also the way she moved her hands, I feel like was very like airy. Everything about her was airy. Her clothes, her voice, it was just like a aura around her that was just very sweet and and calming and made you want to like really lean in and listen to what she was saying because what she was saying was important, whatever it was. And it really was necessary to have this person at this school because University of Virginia is majority white and a lot of black students were leaving a community that maybe was majority black mm. and coming to a place where they are now very much the minority. So it was really nice to have an elder. Yeah. An older person there who looked like me and could communicate like me and made me feel very comfortable. And, and she would have snacks in her office and she, you just come in and get some snacks and talk to Mama T for a minute <laughs> before you went to your next class. She really created a nice safe haven in the university. Yeah. Those safe havens are so important in college, especially when you're a student of color. I mean, I could not have survived school or even learned to perform without the support for students of color at Swarthmore, uh, my college. So thank you, Dean Tim Sams and the Intercultural Center. <laughs> okay, let's take a step back a little bit. Um, let's get a full picture of who Sashir was in college. Sashir in college was a shy kid who was starting to come out of her shell. I came into college very shy. And I feel like I I just looked like I was trying to like not be distinct. That's like I just had like free t-shirts that I got from whatever, <laughs> like basketball shorts. I had permed hair to my shoulders. And then it was really after my first year of college where I was like, hmm, maybe I'll like I don't know, start caring about how I look. I actually saw this video in my media studies class. I don't remember what it related to, but it was a cartoon. And it was talking about the history of black hair. Mm. And it was talking about basically how much black people do to their hair to assimilate to white culture and how they ha had to do that for survival purposes for decades because you get more opportunities the whiter you look. If you have kinky hair and it reminds people that you're black, you might not get hired for X, Y, and Z. So, you know, they were showing videos of people like literally ironing their hair on an ironing board or conking their hair or putting all these chemicals in their hair. And again, I don't remember the point of the video, but what I got out of it was, oh, that's a lot of work to do to like fit in with white people, which I don't feel like I need to. So... I'm done perming my hair. <laughs> That's kind of what did it. Oh, wow. And I cut my hair off. Like, I cut it low, like, as a Caesar cut. Yes. And I did it over the summer, which was very funny because I, I feel like I lost half my friends because they just didn't recognize me. I would just, like, see people I knew, and they would just, like, pass. I came back looking like a completely different person. But I loved it. I loved it. I mean, I kind of want to do it again. But... Yeah, it felt very good and freeing and kind of gave me a blank slate to, like, try something new and reinvent myself. And then I started growing my hair out as an afro and going natural, which was a journey to figure out, but was so fun to do and, and felt very freeing. Yes, I love that. 
I mean, it sounds like college was totally transformative for you. Like you really came into yourself and Professor Davis was a big part of that. Yeah, I felt like even though I was in a very white space at UVA, I do feel like I was diving in to my blackness and what that meant to me and my history and being able to explore that with other black people there was really important. And then after the show is when I decided to like really dive into the theater program. I was kind of like listless when I first got to UVA. I honestly thought I was going to try to do broadcast journalism, which they do not have a program there <laughs> at UVA. <laughs> I just went there. I was like, the campus is pretty. Yeah. My dad is close by. That's enough. I'll figure it out later. And I was doing all these plays. And then I was like, actually, I think this is what I love. And I remember talking to Teresa about it and was like, yeah, I think I want to try to make this my major. And I was scared because not that my parents discouraged performing arts at all. I was doing it already. But I think my mom wanted me to have more of a concrete plan than like performing. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember being scared to tell my mom. But I, I remember Teresa being like, you know what? It's this is your decision and you will figure it out and you have the talent. So like, why not try? And I remember telling my mom and she was kind of like, well, how are you going to get money? <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. I'll figure it out. I'm 21. I don't know these things. Yeah, I don't, I don't have to know now. <laughs> figure it out. <laughs> figure that out later. And I did much later. <laughs> how would you describe the lessons that Professor Davis taught you? Professor Davis taught me that no matter what age level I was at, no matter what experience level I was at, I was capable of greatness. And, oh no, oh no. (laughs) I was not expecting that. (laughs) You cracked me. (laughs) Oh God. Yeah, greatness. Um, And I really needed that. especially at UVA and like in a time in my life where I was trying to figure out who I was going to become. I knew I wanted to perform or do something that affected people and affected change. And I feel like she kind of helped me hone that skill and that idea of myself. And, and also she just loved putting me in leadership roles, which I so appreciated. And I feel like that really helped inspire the rest of my career. I revived the Paul Robeson Players, which was an African-American theater group before my time at UVA, but I knew it existed. And I remember talking to Professor Davis about it. And she was like, of course you can revive this. (laughs) No doubt in my mind. And so I revived it and we started a playwriting contest and it was just like so ambitious, but she was down 100% of the time and was like, yes, I have no doubt in my mind that this is going to succeed and it's going to work just because it's you. I do feel like that gave me so much confidence. I was able to leave UVA really believing in my talents, really believing in my skill set. And just even if I didn't have the skill, knowing I could develop it and mm. and create something from it because I had such a wonderful experience in the theater program at UVA, it helped me gain the confidence to try anything when I moved to New York. Try improv, try sketch, try try stand-up, try auditioning for SNL, try, just trying anything. Right. And knowing I could do it. And um, 
I really feel like Professor Davis helped me with that. The choreo poem for colored girls who have considered suicide when the rainbow is enough ends with the lady in red. I found God in myself and I loved her. I loved her fiercely. For Colored Girls is such a special show. And I'm struck by how these are some of the final lines in the exact play that helps Sashir find herself on stage. I am so grateful for all of the activism that went into getting the kind of diverse staff and curriculum that supported Sashir in her path and nurtured me in mine. What Sashir describes in this story, moving people with your art, starting a conversation, and connecting with an audience, those are our biggest goals as performers. Why would I choose this life? That's why. <laughs> because I'll tell you what, moving people, shifting the conversation, connecting with an audience, there's nothing like it. Through It is an original podcast created in partnership with MailChimp and Pineapple Street Studios. Executive producers for Going Through It are J. Ann Berry, Jenna Weiss-Berman, and Max Linsky. Our managing producer is Agarenish Ashagre. This season is produced by the all-star team of Sophia Steinert-Evoy, Emerald O'Brien, and Yinka Rickford-Anguin. And we're edited by the irreplaceable Aaron Edwards. We are engineered to perfection or very close to it by Davey Sumner. Our theme music was produced by Raj Makija. Dawood Anthony also produced original music for this season with additional tunes from Epidemic Sound and Blue Dot Sessions. Legal services for Pineapple Street by Bianca Grimshaw at Granderson Des Rochers. Extra special thanks to Himia Freeman for his support on this production. And of course, the biggest thanks to my own elders for everything and for being the inspiration behind the show. Mom, Dad, Margaret Cho, Tracy Kato Kiriyama, Keiko Agena, Tim Sams, Gina Lu Gong, Quan Fung, Michelle Ko, and so many more. And thanks in general to my loud ass partner, Corey Higgs, for staying quiet in the house for me. And thank you for listening.